Hello, and welcome to Start By Listening, the podcast about sexual harm. We are centered on educating and empowering our Western Kentucky communities. Our goal is to transform the way we talk about sexual harm. Transformation begins by listening to understand. We talk so you can listen today and change the world tomorrow. Well, we are back again for another installment of Start By Listening. (laughs) Marcy's looking at me like, she's done lost her damn mind. (laughs) And spoiler alert, Marcy is back. And today we are going to be talking about sex. As we talked about a few weeks ago, we got the topic, what is sex education? And let me tell you, that was very enlightening because I think we both kind of figured out in talking and doing our own research that sex education is way more involved than just talking about penises, vaginas, and breasts, and um, babies, and reproduction. It was a whole lot more. You know, it's really interesting. Um, after our uh, podcast last week, um, I saw my mom on um, over the weekend, and I was sharing with her w- what we had discussed on the podcast, and it led to a discussion. Um, her best friend was there, and my dad and um, my husband of you know how we all learned about you know sex and how we got our education. So. It was quite opening. Oh, wow. That does sound interesting. Huh. Yeah, I don't, I saw my mom this weekend, but I didn't talk about the podcast. <laughs> it's funny. I'll see her tomorrow and I'll ask her, hey, do you remember that time that Sister Mary Damien called you? Because I went and told everybody. Well, and, and to be very transparent, I did share your story with my mom because she knows your mom and, um, she just she just thought the whole thing was funny and mm-hmm. could completely see both of you in the responses the way that y'all did. <laughs> Absolutely. Um, I forgot to do the little disclaimer that I'm at home today and you might hear my dog bark or there might be a phone in the background. It is what it is. It's 2022 as we enter... Um, Gosh, what, year three of this pandemic? Um, I, I quit counting. <laughs> yeah. no, no, this is year two. This is year two because it was in 2020. Oh, no, it is year three. Look, I can't count. That's why I'm a therapist. <laughs> exactly. I think we've just lost time with the pandemic. Like, mm-hmm. I, I, so I get dates between 2019 and now like dates kind of just kind of meld together in my head. So Mm -hmm. I can completely understand that and agree with you. But I think what we are going to talk about today is now that we kind of know just the, you know, the beginnings of what sex ed is, I think it'd be great to talk about how do you begin to talk about it? And we kind of touched a little bit, you know, on that, 
um, a few weeks ago, but I want to dive a little deeper. Um, like, how do you talk to kids about it? My gosh, what if you're an adult and you yourself never really got sex education growing up? And what if you as an adult want to learn more about all those things we talked about? Um, communication, healthy relationships, consent, body parts, functions of body parts, um, how do babies get made? How are babies born? Um, how do you care for um, your genitals and how do you clean them properly? And, you know, all those things. Because, you know, Marcy, as you well know, there are many people out there who never really had that opportunity to get that information. You know, and sometimes as an adult, you know, somebody might be embarrassed or they might feel a lot of shame because they don't have that knowledge and then they don't know who to ask or where to go. So how does that sound for kind of where we go today on Start By Listening? Sounds like a great place to start. <laughs> so. You have children and you've disclosed that before on the podcast. Mm -hmm. I do not. And I have disclosed that on the podcast. Um, and so my understanding of talking about sex education is purely from a professional standpoint of working with children and adults who are survivors of sexual harm and providing sex education uh, when questions arise. You have the unique perspective of being able to talk about what that's like as a mom, you know, and talking about that at home and from a professional, you know, standpoint. Um, and so I'm wondering where should we begin? Should we begin with how to talk to your kids at home? versus if you're a professional therapist listening in and you're like, oh my gosh, how do I even begin to broach the subject in the world of therapy? Where should we start? I think we, I think starting at home would be a good place. And, you know, I mentioned last week and I want to state it again today as we're starting to um, go into this topic is that we start at a young age being able to identify body parts by their correct names. Um, and this is, this is because, you know, if something were to happen to our children, we want them to be able to tell someone. And let's say they said, they went to the teacher and said, so-and-so touched my teddy bear. The teacher wouldn't necessarily have any alarms about that when in fact the child was just was trying to disclose that someone had touched their vagina or their penis so um i think that's the first thing like in that age is you know establishing body parts and calling them by correct names um i also think that's when you start teaching consent is it okay for me to give you a hug um you know if you don't want to embody safety and if 
you don't want to hug Uncle John, then you don't have to. Mm-hmm. And, you know, that's not always easy in families because families are like, you know, I'm their uncle or I'm their grandfather or grandmother that they should hug me. And it's a lot of sometimes a discussion of it's their body, their choice. Mm-hmm. And this is about consent and they're not giving you consent to touch their body, mm-hmm. even in a hug. So I think those are the, those things are the things that I think of first with kids. Mm-hmm. And then, you know, just, I think as we, if we have open dialogues with kids, hopefully they will come to us when they start having questions. Um, I know for both of mine, it was at a different time. My oldest was much older before we had the discussion of sex with her, whereas my youngest was like eight. Um, And part of that was having an older sister and having, you know, a best friend with an older sister kind of thing. Um, But then I think it's prior to sitting down and talking with them, it is then um, having a discussion with whoever, like if you're going to have your partner with you to discuss it. Okay, these are the things that we're okay to disclose. These are the things we're not. Or if you're a single parent, okay, this is what I feel like I'm comfortable with and I'm not. You know, because kids are going to ask a million questions. Mm-hmm. And they're going to ask, you know, I mean, it, it it would not be surprising for them to say, you know, well, have you slept with anybody besides dad or have you, uh, you know, anything like that number of partners, you know, you know, how do you and do you and so-and-so have sex now, you know, and you're going to have to figure out what's best for you mm-hmm. in your comfort level. And also this is a place to teach a kid some boundaries with that and saying, you know, I really appreciate that you're asking me all these questions and you feel safe and comfortable to ask me, but that's something that's private to me. So we're not going to discuss that. Um, so I think setting those boundaries also teaches the child, you know, when I do engage in sexual intercourse, then, you know, there are boundaries around that relationship and what I talk about with that. So I think a lot of it is, it's just all teaching. I mean, mm-hmm. it's education, you know, and <laughs> there are times that, somebody, one of my kids will tell me about something that's going on with, you know, has been going on in a relationship that they've noticed. And most of the time I find a way to pull it back around and relate it to them and say, okay, so how would you handle this? And, you know, what if you were in this situation, what would you do? And a lot of that is concerning sex. So like, let's say you know, recently there was, my daughter was talking about a breakup of a friend of hers and there was a discussion of, you know, I don't know what he's going to say that about what we did or what, you know, or if there were pictures, what's going to happen to those or, mm-hmm. and that's so much more complicated than what we had as a child. But I think just laying all of that foundation and being willing to be open and honest and teach. Yeah. You know, 
I think that's so important. Um, I think about what if you're a parent and you want to do something different than what you were exposed to, right? As a kid. But what if you don't even know the medical terms for the genitals? Mm -hmm. Where is a good place, do you think, for parents who maybe need information for themselves to be able to teach their kiddos? Where do you think would be a good place for them to go to get that? I mean, honestly, I would think, and you can probably answer this better than me, um, but I would say um, if you have a trusted medical provider, maybe talking to them and asking them the questions and getting, you know, some ideas of correct terminology and um, answering some things you don't know how to so that you can give the appropriate medical response. Yeah. I would also say, I mean, Google is like all of our friends, but yes, it's a little scary when you start Googling things about sex, because then it can bring up a whole different world. So funny you should say that, because before we started the podcast, I said, I just want to Google. And here's what I typed in. How do I talk about sex with kids? And in 0.59 seconds, so not even a full second. Google told me there are 3,774,000,000, I don't even know how to count that half. <laughs> okay. Or maybe it's million. Hold on. 100,000. Okay, it's million. Let me get that right. Sorry, y'all. I can't do math. That's not a therapist. 3,374,000,000 results. Just on that one little topic that I was searching. Um, and it was interesting because you can find guides according to age. So let's say, you know, let's say as a parent, you grew up and in your home, penises were called ding-dongs or tallywhackers, and let's say vaginas or vulvas were called uh, a kitten or a cookie. And let's say the idea of saying words like penis, vagina, and vulva is really uncomfortable. Well, you gotta get uncomfortable. And I suggest people practice. Mm -hmm. There was a skit, I was in seventh grade, so that was 1980, 88 maybe, I don't know, don't do numbers. There was a skit on SNL back then, or it might have been even earlier, but it's where they created this thing called the penis song. And here were these grown men that were naked, or they appeared naked, right, with like a barrier in front of their genital area. And they were talking about and saying the word penis, 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 penis song. 
And I, you know, I can't help but think <laughs> if we're uncomfortable with words, why don't we just start using them all the time? Mm-hmm. I, I, I'm laughing um, because um, when, especially my oldest, when we were getting her to say those words, she just would laugh and she wouldn't say it. And so I'm like, um, well, let's just say it over and over again until you're okay mm-hmm. with it. And so vagina, 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 penis, penis, penis. And I laugh because, you know, my child looked at me like I had lost my mind, but, um, you know, but it's true. they both can say it without laughing and just name it as a part. Yeah. Um, I mean, it's, it is, it's very much, um, I encountered something last night with my mother-in-law who could not use medical terms. And she could, she was talking about an individual who had cancer of the genitals and she could just say down there. And I was like, wow, you know, and here I am saying vulva, vaginal, canal, inner thigh, urethra, you know what I'm saying? But I also think that that's, that's with that older generation. And even, mm-hmm. you know, unless our parents were more progressive or in the medical field, I don't know that we got my, that there was much different. Yeah. I think it's those of us that are parents now and below us are below us in the generations that have begun to normalize that and normalize what um what those words are in saying them i agree and i think that's also why we are a why sex education and sexual assault has had much has come more to light in the last several years 10, 20 years. Yeah. But it is hard and it is uncomfortable and <sighs> big sigh. <laughs> um, and I think we have to become uncomfortable to become comfortable. So when you have a kiddo in your office and um, you're trying to work with them and teach them about sex and educate them on that, how is how is it that you approach as a professional? Well, one of the first things I do is in every session when I'm meeting with kids, first off, I'm using the word sexual abuse and I'm defining what sexual abuse is. I also define what physical abuse and emotional abuse are as well. So I'm giving a whole good understanding of that. And I think the more people hear sexual abuse, the less scary it is to say it. And then, um, so that's where I kind of start with with education. And then um, a lot of times I'll ask the kid, um, do you remember um, why people come to New Beginnings? Like what makes New Beginnings different than going to another therapist in the community? And they're like, well, you know, I'm like, hmm, what? What are you talking about? You know? And then, so then I get the kid to begin to say that that's that desensitization of the Mm -hmm. word. 
so that we can talk about it. Um, and then I like to talk about body parts um, and educate about body parts. And I'll say, um, it's girl or boy, I'll start usually with whatever their genitals are. What do you call yours? What do you call your, um, I'll say vagina. And it depends on the age. And like most school age kids will say, oh yeah, I don't like that word, <laughs> you know? And, or what do you call your penis? Like, oh, I don't like that word. I call it my dick. Um, I call it my cookie. And I'll say, oh yeah, that's really creative. And I'll say, what other words have you heard it called? Right, all the slang that they can think of. And then I'll say, okay, so that's what you call it. Here's what the medical term is. And I'll say, it's really important that you know the medical term because what if you go to your doctor one day and they use a word that you've never heard before? Mm -hmm. And maybe you might be scared to ask what that means. So we're gonna learn about body parts. And as you know, many um, kiddos and adults too, they have a lot of shame surrounding their um, genitals because of the sexual harm and sexual abuse that's occurred. And so I begin to talk about how body parts have functions. And there's a reason why we have every single body part. And I start off with very um, non-threatening things like, why do we have eyes? Why do we have noses? Why do we have ears? Why do we have thumbs? Uh, why do we have knees? Why do we have feet? And I kind of make it into something fun, you know? Um, and so again, depending on the age, because I'm not gonna use the word urethra for a five-year-old um, because that's just a little too abstract. I want to do something more concrete. And so I'll say, and I use the whole word vagina, knowing mm -hmm. I very much know, and I'm very well aware that the urethra is not part of the vagina, but I call that whole area. So they have that mm -hmm. understanding, vagina, vulva. And I'll say, what do you think the purpose of having this area is for? Depending on how old the kid is. Older children will say, well, that's where babies come from. Absolutely. That's a function. Um, other kids will say, well, that's where you pee. And that is true, the urethra, which is above the vaginal opening. Mm -hmm. And I'll say, what would happen if you didn't pee? And then that's already starting a reframe. Uh, same thing with bottoms. Um, I'll say, what would happen? Cause uh, every kid, kids love it. They start to laugh. Well, uh, that's where you poop from. Yeah. What would happen if you didn't poop? Oh my God, you would die. <laughs> Actually. Yes, you would. Yeah. <clears throat> Excuse me. Totally. You could die from not pooping. Very true. Um, so when I begin to have talk about functions and for boys, what's the function of a penis? For them, they'll say, well, that's where I pee from. Yeah, you know, um, once we start to assign a function, I think that begins to kind of destigmatize um, body parts. And it also, I think helps to help with shame because it is 
it, it's, it's for a reason. It's not bad. If I couldn't pee, I would be sick. If I couldn't poop, I would be sick. Um, so that's kind of how I start with talking about body parts. And I go as far as a kid has questions about, and I always include the parents. Um, and let's say a kid asks me, well, how do babies get made? Boy, that's a big question. Mm -hmm. And I'm not quite sure what they want to know, right? Do they mm -hmm. want to know about a sperm and an egg coming together and making a zygote? And then, you know, mitosis and meiosis and, you know, all those. And I have no clue, right? Mm -hmm. um, plus, a five-year-old isn't really going to understand all of that abstract. So I'll say, you know, that's a good question. Do I have your permission to talk with mom or dad or grandma, grandpa, whoever brings them to therapy? Do I have your permission to talk with them about your curiosity so we can find out if they're okay if you and I talk more about this or maybe the three of us talk together or maybe they want to talk with you um, by themselves and then the three of us meet together. You know, that's kind of how. I work that. Um, most kids are like, oh my God, that's so embarrassing, you know? And I'll say, well, yeah, it, it might be embarrassing. I said, but it's important that you have answers. Um, mm -hmm. I want to respect your privacy. I want to respect your confidentiality. And I really think it's important that we include somebody you trust because what if four years from now, when you're not seeing Miss Jennifer, what if you have questions? Mm -hmm. Who are you going to ask? So that's kind of how I begin that process. Um, and then I'll bring it back up several uh, weeks later, like body parts and functions. And they'll be like, oh, Miss Jennifer, are we going to talk about penises again? <laughs> yes, we are. <laughs> um, and that's just because I want to make sure they have that, that understanding. Right. And I'll say, you can call it whatever you want. And in my space, if you want to call it a tally whacker and a cookie, that's fine. I just want you to have the knowledge. Yeah. <laughs> Which, you know, is very similar approaches to what I was just saying with our children and, you know, as a parent perspective. So, yeah. Yeah. It, it, like you said, I just want you to have knowledge. Yeah. Um, for older kids or even adults, you know, we have that, I think that book is hilarious and I don't know the name of it, um, but it's got like the cartoon characters in it. Have you seen that one? I'm not sure. It is, I want to say it's out of the nineties or the eighties. I'll have to look in my office and find it and um, show it to you the next time. And it has pictures of like naked adults in it and like um, with like pubic hair and it's cartoon characters. It's not like real people, um, but it talks about um, ejaculation. It talks about erections. It talks about uh, puberty. I mean, and the cartoons are hilarious because I call them like schlumpy looking people because they're kind of schlumpy not like the far side. Mm -hmm. If you remember that cartoon, I, mm -hmm. I, I think they're kind of 
schlumpy, which I don't even know if that word exists. I just made that up. But <laughs> they, they, they're cartoons and they're characters. So they're over the top, you know. Um, but that's an interesting book uh, to pull out and to, to go over with. You know, yeah, you will need to share that with me because I do not believe I have that. Yeah. And I think I have it. And if not, it might be in Becky's office. Did I have a couple? I think I have a couple. Yeah, but I'll look for that. You'll have to remind me because my squirrel brain ADHD, I'll forget. Um, but I like to use that too because I think that's fun. And mm-hmm. it's, a, it's, it's a nice way. I mean, laughter is a beautiful way to break tension and embarrassment, mm-hmm. you know. I'll say, oh my God gosh is that what pubic hair looks like miss jennifer that's a cartoon you know that's not real you know and we'll laugh you know um or is that what armpit hair looks like and like in one of the pictures it's like like huge like over you know like (laughs) exaggerated and then we laugh and oh god i hope not because that would be really hard to shave if I ever needed to shave that off, you know, what's, <laughs> what's the purpose of pubic hair? Like, what's the function of pubic hair? What's the function of armpit hair? And a lot of people are like, uh, I don't know, but actually it's a defense system for your body, for your genitals. It's a way to keep them protected and keep them warm. And it's a way to keep bacteria out. Mm-hmm. And people are like, what? I'm like, yeah. Arm hair is really good. Pit hair is good. Mm-hmm. It might not smell good, but <laughs> <laughs> it has a function. Yes. Yeah. Well, I think that's all awesome approaches. And I think hopefully um, other professionals that are listening um, can gain something from that approach that you take with um, kids in your office. Well, you know, and it's really important because, you know, we talked about culture and values and belief systems. We touched a little bit on that last time. And I think it is truly, truly important um, because, you know, as the therapist, you've spent all this time building trust and building rapport, right? With the kiddo, with the mom, dad, whomever. And so I cannot stress enough how important it is to have that conversation when appropriate with the guardian to say they're curious. And number one, they're going to be curious because developmentally it's appropriate and they're hearing things at school. But number two, they're also going to have more curiosity than perhaps the average kiddo because they have been sexually harmed. Mm-hmm. And their child brains have received adult information and their child brains can't really process things. Mm-hmm. And so what I have noticed over the years is when I have those conversations with parents who also get uncomfortable in talking mm-hmm. about sex, I'll say, so I want to make sure that I am educating in alignment with your values and your beliefs and I respect you and I respect your parenting. And so I want to know how do you want to tackle this? Do you want to talk with um, your kiddo on your own, you know, and do your own? And then I um, reinforce um, 
do you want me to provide that education? And the kiddo and I will keep you informed of what we're talking about. Mm-hmm. Um, do you want the three of us to come together and talk about it? Mm-hmm. You know, so I offer lots of, you know, safety nets. Um, and in the history of me doing sex education, and again, I cannot stress enough to whoever's listening, I do education that is age appropriate. You know, I'm not mm-hmm. going to go further than what a kid has questions on, right? Mm-hmm. That's so important. Um, so, so important. I just want to make sure everybody understands and, and has that knowledge. Um, it's so important, I think, to do that work with parents because that is, number one, elevating them and allowing them to have confidence to do hard things. And I am continuing to build even deeper levels of trust and rapport, right? Because perhaps I'm educating mom, dad, grandparent in that same moment. And maybe they were just too ashamed to say, I don't even know. Yeah. So uh, providing that safe space for inquiry, providing that safe space when they say, um, yes, I do want to be a part of that, but I'm just not comfortable. Can I just be there and be supportive? Absolutely. Mm -hmm. And is it okay if I turn to you and I ask, hey, mom or dad, what do you think about this? And it's okay to say, you know, I don't know. I need some time to process this. Can I think about that? And can we talk about this further next week after I've thought about it and maybe talk with your dad? maybe talk with grandpa, maybe talk mm-hmm. with grandma. So that also gives that parent, um, quote, an out, right? To not um, think, oh my gosh, I have to have the answer right now. Mm-hmm. I'm modeling and showing it's okay to say, I don't know the answer to that. I need to think about that before I give you information. Mm-hmm. And when that happens, you see relief, like, oh, thank God. <laughs> well, and you know, you're modeling to the kid um, in the situation that the the guardian that they're with is a safe, trusted adult to be able to have conversations with, as you said, when you're not there anymore. Um, and I think that that approach just further builds not only the relationship you have with them, but also then they can build upon that themselves. I think about over the years, um, there's only been one person I've worked with where the parent was like, I want to do it. I was like, that's fine. Mm -hmm. Love it. And they said, um, and then after we have the talk, um, I want you to reinforce. And I said, that's great. Can you share with me what your talk is going to be, though? So, you know, I have that knowledge Mm -hmm. ahead of time. And it was funny, the kiddo came in that day and they sat down in the chair and they just looked like they'd been through a tornado. And I'm like, and this is way before I understood polyvagal. Okay, this is early, early. And I was like, wow, what's going on? I'm noticing something that's very different than your norm when you come to see me. And they just slumped in this chair and they said, oh, my God, it happened. (laughs) (laughs) And I said, what happened? You know, the talk. (laughs) 
and it was it was quite cute and it was a beautiful opportunity you know mm -hmm. and I just said well can you teach me yeah teach me I want to know what you learned and uh -huh. everything they learned was on point and you know very good and very correct and I said wow so not only did you learn it but now you just taught it mm -hmm. to me and then I said do you think it'd be okay if we brought mom in and the three of us could really talk some more about this and they said you know what? This isn't as bad as I thought it was going to be. Yes, let's do that. <laughs> and, you know, and I think that's the thing for kids and adults that it's not, it, it, sometimes we create this fear around this, but it's not that bad once you're in it. You know, it's, yeah. you know, this is our bodies, sex, all of that is just normal part of being a person and so um you know I think it's the more that we can reduce like you said the shame and then those fears the better off parents and kids are going to be well yeah and, and then I think about like with adults you know um again depending on what level they are and what they need and mm -hmm. and when I say what level they are I mean um, what they already have knowledge of, you know, as far as um, sex education, um, getting adults, and I'm, I'm segueing from children, whew, I'm swishing over to adults now, um, who are sexually active, you know, who want to be able to express their needs in a healthy way. Um, it's empowering people and helping them to understand that yes, they get to decide who touches their body. They get to decide how their body gets touched, how soft, how rough, um, and what feels good and what feels pleasurable. But I can't talk pleasurable to them. Mm -hmm. And part of, I think, having that healthy sense of um, self-esteem, having that healthy sense of sex. I, I don't know if it'd be called sexuality. Um, I'm not sure that's the only word that's kind of coming to my mind at this moment, but is being able to communicate your desires, your wants and your needs with whom mm -hmm. you are engaging in, in sex with and mm -hmm. whatever sex means to you. And um, being able to say, no, I'm not comfortable doing that. Um, being able to say, yes, please more. <laughs> I like mm -hmm. that. And those are conversations, I think, that need to happen before um, somebody is engaging in sexual activities because it's, it's easier, I think, in one way to have those conversations ahead of time so that you've discussed it and it's out there versus you're in the moment and maybe you're feeling uncomfortable to say, no, I, d I don't like to be touched uh, mm -hmm. on my kneecap. <laughs> you know, or right. I don't like my breast to be touched or um, I don't like um, someone to nibble on my ears. If we can communicate that ahead of time and we have a partner who is respectful and kind and compassionate and loving, who can receive that information and respect our boundaries, 
Well, and I we have, and I'm not going to get the name of it right, but it's like a questionnaire. Yes. That we have. And so, because sometimes it may be like, I know that there's like a million things on that questionnaire mm-hmm. as to like, you're okay with, you're not okay with. There may be things that you hadn't thought of yet and that being able to go through that, you know, as an individual and then with your partner and say, this is okay, this isn't, I mean, that strengthens, strengthens that relationship. Mm-hmm. Um, you know, I think with sex and education as an adult, it's always the communication part is key, you know, mm-hmm. to be able to say, this is what I like, this is what I don't like, this is you know, or even to be able to voice your consent, because I think, you know, sometimes it, it, you can feel as if, well, I'm in a relationship, I have to, and, Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. you know, that that's not actually true, you don't, and um, I think you're absolutely right, we established working on relationships and establishing that relationship and then um, figuring out what you're okay with, not okay with, and being able to communicate that openly with your partner. Oh yeah, that's, that's key. And um, I mean, we're talking about this easily. However, the practicality and application that can be scary as hell Mm -hmm. and to be that vulnerable and um not only to be that vulnerable, but, you know, is your relationship such that it's a safe space to be able to talk about that, you know, Um, to know that as an adult, if you want to have sex every day, several times a day, and you and your partner are consenting to that, that's great. But that doesn't mean that that is for everyone. Mm -hmm. You know, um, every individual has different levels of uh, sex drive based on hormones that are in the body, based on the level of stress, internal and external that is going on in life, um, based on the level of comfortableness of connection and intimacy. There's so many factors and it just depends on what you all decide works for you and And I would throw in there based upon your level of trauma because you know you may have had a sexual assault in your past and it very easily could have a huge influence on this now relationship and those aren't always easy conversations to have of you know, being open as to some of the things that have happened. So, because, you know, you and I both know we've worked with individuals and you can get triggered. And um, so there's education with that and being able to educate your partner mm-hmm. as to, you know, these are the things that could happen. Yeah. I mean, 
the more and more I think that we go down this this rabbit hole, especially for adults, the the hugest piece is about communication. Mm -hmm. Exactly. Yeah, and, and it's feeling comfortable. And that starts, like you said, before you engage in any sexual activity. Yeah, that's you the know. goal. <laughs> Good point. Sorry. The goal <laughs> is to have that communication yeah. before you engage. It is um, because it does make it easier, you know. Yes. Um, and also having that communication and someone who will respect um, your boundaries. That's so important. Mm -hmm. Yeah. yeah. Mm. Wow. Boy, this was an enlightening conversation again. I learned a few things myself. <laughs> <laughs> As we're coming to a close uh, for this episode, and Kiwi is beginning to growl. That's my little fur baby, y'all. Um, Marcy, can you think of anything perhaps that we haven't included in this episode that we need to include? I don't think so. I mean, I think we hit the highlights. I mean, there's a million other things we probably could have discussed. Um, I think having a trusted person in, in a child's life for them to be able to go and to talk to about these things. And then for an adult, really the same thing, a trusted person that you can ask questions or, you know, support you through a new journey, you know, with things, if you have had a sexual assault before, um, and if you haven't, and as an adult, and you, you know, just want more education, you know, being able to talk to someone trusted. Um, I think that's the biggest takeaway. Yeah. Other than communication, you know, we got to communicate with our kids and our, and as adults, so. I agree. Wow. Well, Marcy, thank you for joining me again with your experience and your knowledge and your wisdom. And I'm sure our listeners out there appreciate that just as much as I do. And uh, to all of our amazing people, whether you are in India or Montana or Oklahoma, uh, I just want to say thanks for tuning in. And um, you can change the world tomorrow um, just by starting listening today. So you all have a beautiful day and we'll see you next time. Well, we made it to the end of our episode. We want to thank you for listening. We also want to thank VOCA for funding our podcast. VOCA stands for Victims of Crime Act. This project was supported by grant number VOCA 2020 Green River 00026 awarded through the Kentucky Justice and Public Safety Cabinet by the United States Department of Justice. The opinions, findings, conclusions, and recommendations expressed in this publication, program, exhibition are those of the authors and do not necessarily reflect the views of the Kentucky Justice and Public Safety Cabinet or the U.S. Department of Justice. We also want to give a big shout out and a thank you to Seth Hedges of Uriah Wild Media. He is the amazing individual who created the beautiful music for our podcast. We thank you so much, Seth. I'm gonna encourage you to go check out his stuff. He's pretty talented and awesome. 
You can find him at www.uriahwild.com. That's www.uriahwilde.com. And finally, we want to give a really special shout out to Rodney Newton for being our amazing technical advisor. He has spent several Saturdays and days throughout the week to help us get this podcast up and going. Rodney, you are our captain. And finally, we hope that you'll take something you heard today and change the world tomorrow. Join us next time on Start By Listening. And as always, please remember that New Beginnings is here for you to listen or help 24 hours a day. Just give us a call, 1-800-226-7273.